This is Bellator Colloquium, a podcast of the Bellator Society. Bellator in Latin means warrior, and a colloquium is a conversation. We at the Bellator Society are online warriors for the true, good, and beautiful, and this podcast is our conversation about all those things and so much more. Meet us here weekly at Bellator Colloquium and at bellatorsociety.com for content that will hopefully lift you, inspire you, comfort you, and make you feel a part of our Bellator Society. Good morning, friends and warriors, and welcome to the podcast. You are joining us in the Bellator Colloquium, a podcast of the Bellator Society. I'm Tracy Eddy, and my co-host Fran Yeager is in Nashville, Tennessee. Good morning, Fran. Good morning, Tracy. How are you doing? Good, good. Um, we are going to have a fun day. It's just you and I. Yeah, we don't have any guests, we're... sadly, but we're going we're gonna to enjoy our day just chit-chatting. We're going to dish. We're going to do an archive dive. Yes. We I are love going... archive dives, by the way. Can I just say that? Like, yeah. whenever people would ask my mom who her favorite kid was, <laughs> she would say, she would always tell people uh, that it was the one furthest away from her, right? And we took that different, we took that different way. It's like, oh, she loves the one that's furthest away because they need the love, or she loves the one that's furthest away because they're furthest away and she doesn't have to deal with them. Like, we had different reasons. But I was thinking, like, I, when, I, when I was thinking about today's podcast, I was like, I really love archive dives. They might be my favorite because there, we have so much beautiful content that we've not even chatted about and this is our opportunity to do it but then I was like but I don't want to make our guests feel bad and I don't want to like p- make people feel bad when we're talking about things in real time because archive dives you know are different than those so maybe I just love the one that we're doing now that's maybe right. that's what it is you like the one closest to you exactly <laughs> <laughs> I like I, I also like the archive dives because like you said there we're going back into the archives and we're looking at some of the um some of the earlier blogs that we had long mm-hmm. before we had our podcast and there was such good content and we still have great content, but we're talking about that content yeah. in real time. So going back to things that we really didn't even have a chance to shine a super bright light on other than, you know, sharing it on social media and, and hoping people were going to our website. Um, so it's fun to be able to dive in and give our perspective and our take. And we've chosen two articles today that we did not write. So um, it's fun to look at other people's perspective on just whatever the topic is, their relationship with the Lord, yeah. their relationship with each other, their personal faith journey, you name it. Um, so that's what we're doing today. Love it. Love it. Yeah. So our first one is by Aaron Bayard. Is that the one that we want to do first? Or do we yeah. want to do Sharon Rockers first? Who do we want to do first? Mm. What's the I right just, order for these? I say we just start with Aaron since you've, since you've thrown that out there. We're going. <laughs> we're going for it. Well, the one that we chose is her blog called What If? And this is the question that we have all asked. I mean, Mm -hmm. every single one of us. So the background is that um, she's reminiscing about a uh, homily, I believe, that she heard her parish priest give about a trip that he took where he saw someone on the side of the road who was asking for money. And he was with another priest, and uh, they were just... They asked the question, well, what if he's just asking for money to buy drugs? Like, should we give him money? Because what if he's going to use it for a nefarious purpose or he doesn't really even need it? And, I mean, raise your hand if you've asked that question. Oh, 
both hands. Yeah. If you can see me, both hands. All of my hands in the air waving. <laughs> <laughs> All of my digits in the air waving. <laughs> yeah. I mean, how do, how do you deal with that? Because I, I have the uh, same, I have the same question and it took me a while to get to the point where I'm like, where I see it from Aaron's perspective, but I completely yeah. agree with how Aaron wrote, wrote about it and that it's not, we're not really the judge in that situation. Yeah. You know, we give out of our charity and we give out of the person that, you know, is asking out of mm-hmm. love for that person, no matter what their situation is. And um, it's hard to judge, you know, we, we don't have the skills. We don't have the knowledge to judge their hearts. Right. So if you worry that everybody was nefarious, Mm-hmm. then you kind of miss ministering to maybe Jesus or to yeah. an angel or something like that. You know, you, you hear that uh, storyline. What, what if you've, what if you've ministered to angels and not even known it? Or right. what if you've you know, entertained angels in disguise. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. It's complicated. It's, it's really complicated. And I don't want to, I don't want to say what, what my answer is. Cause it's not always the same. Like I don't always oh, really? respond in the same way. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't always give to the person who's asking on the street corner, but sometimes I do. Yeah. You know, I, I, I agree with you there. Sometimes it's hard because you're driving and you're at a stoplight yeah. and you're two rows in, or you don't have anything to give right. or, um, the light's about to turn or, and you mm-hmm. don't want them three, three rows over or, you know, things mm-hmm. like that. I'm, I will say I'm probably not as good about like rolling my window down and handing mm-hmm. out cash, but where I really try and be intentional is when I see somebody maybe outside a gas station or I see mm-hmm. somebody outside a restaurant or I feel like we've had lately kind of a series of things where we see people come into a restaurant and ask for for a meal or for food mm-hmm. and we just happen to be there and it's happened mm-hmm. a couple times in in Arizona actually mm-hmm. and you kind of see the management ask them to step to the side mm-hmm. or you know while they go and try and figure something out and and to me there's just something about the dignity of a meal and mm-hmm. and how we treat people and on both those occasions we we I'm you know my husband and I talked about it and he went and, and made sure that they got fed or whatever but Oh, it just breaks my heart um, because I can't imagine having to swallow my pride and walk into a restaurant and ask someone who may or may not have mercy on me Mm -hmm. for a bite to eat. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. I I can't even imagine being that desperate ever. Yeah. So that's, that's okay. So Erin's, her twist on her blog was having received this instruction from her parish priest and basically asking the questions, what if it's not up to you what the intentions of the beggar or the person begging you um, are? That's not your responsibility. Your responsibility is to respond in charity, do what Jesus expects of you. And, um, and what if the, the, the receiver, what they do with your charity isn't a part of the equation. And so she really internalized that and then went away and maybe weeks or months later was at a gas station, I believe, where exactly what you're describing. And someone approached her and said, you know, I need money for gas. And she said that she, you know, felt like they were really humbly asking, almost embarrassed to ask for this money to get gas. And she said she had a $20 bill and she felt like this is a fair sacrifice. You know, I will give them my $20 bill and they pocketed it. They never got gas and they drove away. Mm. And she was like, oh, you know, what do you do with that when you're not, when you really do 
consider that that your charity kind of it doesn't end with you but like your responsibility for it just ends there like you're not responsible for the guy that drove away you do feel you know sort of deceived not sort of deceived you feel 100 percent yeah (laughs) especially when you did give out of uh, sacrificially you know that that this was a fair sacrifice yeah um you know what it it's just such a hard it's a hard thing and it's hard not to make a judgment um and it's hard for that sort of experience not to inform your next how you, one. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes. That's I mean, where. I, go ahead. Yeah. Sorry. No, I was just going to say that that's where I would live. I would live in that, that, that place <laughs> of like constantly wondering, okay, is this going to be the next time I'm burned? Yeah. Fool me once. Shame on you. Fool me twice. Shame on me. Yeah. Um, which is, which is a, not a good place to go because no. then you, then you, maybe don't help somebody who really is in need. Um, we've had this, a similar situation actually. Um, and I think it's kind of a scheme they'll, they'll yeah. pull, oh, sure. uh, fire. Cause um, it works. It w- totally works. It totally works. Um, but like you said, our, our job is not to judge the intent or the soul mm-hmm. and we do our best to, to give money. And especially when it's such a sacrifice, yeah. you know, I mean, I never have cash. So if I had a $20 bill in my purse, that would be like all I had all the cash I have on my, yeah. on my body. Um, but we were in a big city in the South one time and we were walking, um, walking from a restaurant, I think back to our friend's house or something like that. And a, a man approached us and he had like an eye patch. And mm-hmm. anyways, he, he gave us this really compelling story about, you know, needing money. And so my husband pulls out his wallet and gives him some money and, and, and the whole time our friends were like, don't dude, stop, stop. Mm-hmm. He's a crook, you know? And, and we were kind of into the man's story and kind of listened to him. And we sort of waved them off, told them to keep going. And when we caught back up to him, they really sort of scolded us and said, he is known for that. He's always mm-hmm. got his eyeball out <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and asking for money and things like this. And we we're like, but you know what? That's not, that's not why I give money. I don't give mm-hmm. money to the person that I think deserves it the most necessarily. Yeah. And for us, um, he seemed to really need it. Mm-hmm. And it seemed like um, charity that was necessary in the moment. Mm-hmm. And if he goes and spends that money on alcohol, mm-hmm. I won't be judged for that. You mm-hmm. know, I think I'll be judged for how I treated him. Um, and what if he doesn't? go spend it on Mm -hmm. alcohol. What if he does really need it? What if, you know, what if he's just gotten that reputation because he's out there a lot because he can't get another job or, you know, there's just so many variables that to me aren't, aren't necessarily, um, first of all, you can't really play them out in your head that quickly. Like, you know, what's going on here. So the easiest thing is just to give if you can. Yeah. yeah, or, or give what, what you, you can. can. Yeah, 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 exactly. And there, like I said, there's sometimes that I don't have a, a dime on me, and, yeah. and truly I can't, you know. But there's been times where we've gone into a, to a gas station and maybe gotten, you know, a, a chicken meal with a drink and taken yeah. it to somebody sitting, you know, on the sidewalk with mm-hmm. a sign or something like that. We don't have any cash to give you, but we can give you a meal. Yeah. Oh, totally. I remember once I was at um at the a Sam's Club, you know, big warehouse uh, store, and um there was a guy that was often kind of loitering in the parking lot, and um 
I don't remember if he had a sign or if he approached me. I think he approached me and asked for money. And I was like, I don't have any money. Kind of the same thing. I said, but if you're hungry, I'm happy to bring you inside and get you something. He was like, I'm not allowed in there. They won't let me back in there. And I was like, well, you don't have to come in. I'll go get you some food. He was like, no, I'm all right. And I was like, ugh, I tried. Yeah. Like, I tried to feed you, and yeah. you didn't want and, and you didn't want food, and I don't actually have any money to give you. And so, you know, I, I felt kind of defeated there at that moment. <laughs> like, what can I do for you, you know? And, and yet, we do have the option. And, you know, material poverty is not the only poverty that people experience. And so I think even in that moment, maybe my willingness to give him something was was an extension of charity, just like, I, like, I see you and I want to help you. And maybe, I mean, the only thing I can think and I pray is that in that moment, he was touched just by my willingness, I hope, and that that fed his soul in some way that, you know, this wasn't a person who said no. Or you know. just ignored him. Right. Yeah. Pretended he yeah. wasn't there. Yeah. Um, we had, when we were in our prayer group in Little Rock, I forget who it was, but she had done a lot of work kind of with the poor and, mm-hmm. and almost like research, it seemed like in her undergraduate. And she said, one of the things that the poor will tell you, like in a sociology experiment, experiment mm-hmm. is just how cast aside yeah. the poor feel, Overlooked. you know, cause you, cause you don't want to even make eye contact cause then yeah. you're afraid they're going to approach me or, or whatever the case may be. So even just a conversation with somebody, yeah. you know, I've seen John pat a homeless person on the back and shake his oh, hand yeah. and it's like, you see me. Yeah. You, I, I'm, I'm here. Yeah. I have dignity. I, you mm-hmm. shook my hand. Um, nobody shakes my hand, you know, that sort of thing. So like you, yeah, you're so right. You can only feed a person so many times a day, but just, just the human experience and the mm-hmm. communication and, and just feeling that moment of community with another person yeah. um, is, is pretty awesome too. Right. And it doesn't, it doesn't excuse our preferential option for the poor, which is one of the tenets of, you know, Catholic social teaching. We really right. do have to give to the poor um, out of our resources that that's for real. But just as you said, like even just recognizing, recognizing the dignity of the person matters, you mm-hmm. know, that in and of itself does matter. Uh, it might not meet a material need, but it does, you know, meet a need of, of, of us as human beings to be seen, uh, you know, to be known. I'm so, it's interesting that you said that, you know, that John will walk up and shake, you know, shake someone's hand, uh, you know, on the side of the side of the street or whatever. We actually just had this experience and it was so funny to me. The, um, we were out of town, downtown, we were walking around with the, with the kids and, uh, this, uh, older, I mean, maybe older than us, a uh, gentleman walked up and immediately put his hand on Matt's shoulder and reached out to, to shake his hand. And I'm like, oh my gosh, what's going on? <laughs> and, and he was like, man, and he whispered something and Matt kind of stood, like stopped the boys and I kept on walking <laughs> and Matt just kind of stopped. And like, I, I could see him just like shaking his head and the guy had a bag with him and showed Matt was what was in the bag. And apparently the story was, or the story that he told Matt was that he was diabetic and that he was hungry and that someone had given him this bag of um, food that was not diabetic friendly. And Matt was like, dude, I'm so sorry. I don't have any cash. And again, because we don't carry cash. And and the guy was like, oh, it's it's all right. It's all right. And Matt just kind of, you know, stood there and just listened to him and then got in the car and, and retold the story to us. Fast forward a couple of hours. We went out to dinner that night. 
as we were exiting the restaurant, following us out of the restaurant was the same gentleman who did the exact same thing, grabbed Matt on the shoulder, put his hand out to shake his hand. But this time the story was that he had gone inside for a meal, but all they gave him was beer. And now he was hungry. And Matt was like, okay, okay. But both times, something, something that really struck me, both times Matt stood there. You yeah. know, he never, he never said, dude, I just saw you earlier today and you were diabetic. Right. <laughs> like he never even called him on it. He just stood there, let the guy tell his story and just said, man, I'm so sorry. I don't, I don't have anything to help you, you know? Right. And I think that matters. I do, and, and that's, I mean, Matt doesn't always say, I can't help you. He, sometimes he does, <laughs> sometimes he does have money and he does give it. I mean, two times <laughs> I can remember I was so mad at him. Um, once was in uh, college, I believe it was, and he was in downtown Birmingham, Alabama, and a guy came up to him and asked him for money, and Matt was like, I don't have any money, but I have a credit card. I can buy you a sandwich. And he sat in with this guy and just ate a sandwich with him. That's awesome. And not that I was I wasn't mad about that, but I was like, I don't <laughs> Good. think that I would I don't think I have what it takes to sit down with, you know, a random stranger man and, yeah. you know, have a meal, which is probably says a lot more about me <laughs> and my fearfulness. But uh, but that always impressed me. But then fast forward to I think it was residency, he was coming out of a um, a shift and walking towards his car and a woman approached him and I think maybe asked for money, but basically the story was she had just gotten out of the hospital and didn't have a ride home. He gave her a ride home. Good for him. Good well, for him. Well, well it could really? have ended badly, but good for him. <laughs> really badly. But I'm just like, I know that that he does have a heart for service and charity that, you know, I'm protective. Yeah. Like, you're, a, I'm very you're, pro- you're guarded. You're, I am. You're a mama bear. I have a mama bear who stores granola bars and nutri grain <laughs> bars in her car to give away because that feels safe. Yeah. yeah. You know, like well, and I, you do what you can do and you know, you know yourself. And I think, I think as long as it comes from a place of pure love and charity and you want to do it, but like you said, I mean, you're, you're a petite woman. You're not a well, thank big, you. big old gal. <laughs> um, you're not, you know, so, and you've got children and you've got a, a toddler. So, I think you do have to caution it with your own personal safety and security, but, um, but given what you can, and if you've got some granola bars and if you've got Nutri-Grain bars and you've got, you know, wet ones or whatever, I mean, I know the, the, the blessing bags have become real yes. popular and in Colorado yeah. they're huge because it's cold in Colorado. Yeah. So there are socks and, you know, just like hand warmers and things like mm-hmm. that. And, um, even I've even heard of people using like McDonald's gift cards, like a $5 yes. gift card, you know, and it goes so a that, long way. Yeah. Well, yeah. And so, you know, again, we'll buy pe- somebody a meal, but what if somebody else was just, just bought them a meal? That's, yeah. that's maybe not what they need. And if you have a little gift card, you know where the McDonald's is or, you know, where the, um, you know, Burger King is or whatever, and you can use that when you need it. And, yes. um, and that, that's and also big... have a reason to go to the bathroom. I mean, that yeah. makes it, that's what I love about the McDonald's gift cards is that you're giving them not only, you know, a, a couple of things off the dollar menu, but also a reason to go into some place and wash their hands and go to the bathroom and feel dignified about it. Totally. Totally. That's a good point. That's a very good point, actually. Um, yeah, so I've I've loved this blog, and it reminded me of the one story that you told me a while ago about one of your sons who cleaned. It was working at a homeless shelter, maybe, and he was he got the job of cleaning the shower. 
Well, it's a it's a mobile shower ministry for the homeless that he that he did um, all through high school, and um, it was beautiful that he. His job was to, after every person would go into this, it's basically a shower truck where they go in and take showers, which is really cool. I mean, this ministry, um, we might need to talk to the the guy who runs it because, I mean, he has such a heart of service and just little gems, just little gems um, that he's given my children, I mean, my, my eldest first and now, uh, you know, our second um, son is, is helping out with that ministry as well. But uh, when he went, I guess it was one of the couple first times he went, um, he, he was given the job of cleaning out the uh, stalls. And uh, the guy walked up and he said, uh, you know, thank you for doing this job. Um, I know that it's, and it's one of the harder jobs, obviously, because you're like cleaning up after someone has, you know, used the bathroom basically. And he said, but I just want you to know that this is one of the jobs that I feel is closest to Jesus's heart because, you know, while we can't, you know, physically put our hands on these people and wash their bodies for them, you know, you're, you're as close as it comes to washing the feet of, of you know, other people because um, you're washing where their feet were. And I was just like, man, and I'm just thinking like, what are all the diseases that my kid could be exposed (laughs) to by cleaning out? But because that's where I mean, again, like I'm being very vulnerable here. Like I live in that world of like, how is this? What is the risk? Yeah. You know, you're a risk manager. I am totally a risk (laughs) manager. And I have to release that, you know, in order to, to step into real charity and to do it with joy and to do it without fear because, you know, true love casts out all fear and to really figure out what service looks like when it's coming from a place of love and not obligation. Yes. And I love that your children and my children have done the same thing in different ministries and stuff, especially when you send your kid, like we send our kids to Catholic schools and they have to Mm -hmm. have kind of service, um, service hours and, um, I'm so glad that we 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 have to do this because it get, it trains them I think mm-hmm. for service as adults because you realize it's part of it's part of life and you realize how many different ministries are out there that help people yeah. and you're one tiny little um tiny little human in the whole kind of service ministry arena and so when like your son goes to college he will when he sees a person who needs help his spirit will already be there. You know, yeah, he's, he's, yeah. he's washed shower stalls. He's fed mm-hmm. them. He has cooked, you know, delivered meals with your family, um, or, you know, whatever, whatever service y'all have done as a family. And so it kind of trains them. So when he's an adult, he'll mm-hmm. do that and he'll teach mm-hmm. his children. And, mm-hmm. um, and that's, that's a huge part of the Christian, the Christian lifestyle yeah. is, is service to the poor. And, yeah. you know, the Bible is the poor are front and center in the Bible. You know, the Bible says the poor will always be among us. Mm-hmm. Um, and so being brothers and sisters in Christ um, and training our children to to care for the poor and to, to just have a ministry mindset and a service mm-hmm. mindset is so important. So, I, But I love that story of if this is as close as you'll get to washing, you know, the feet of another person. Or, you yeah, know, absolutely. Yeah. Like and I do think, I'm, I'm glad that you mentioned like doing it as a family. I do think that that's important that, that we as parents model, but also just thinking about to my childhood and the way that my parents modeled, um, I should be less 
risk averse because my parents <laughs> did a lot of stuff now that I'm thinking about it. Like my mom would drive. I mean, she had little kids, like toddlers, babies, infants, and she would go downtown and pick up um, women who were unwed mothers or women in crisis pregnancies. And she would drive in their doctor's appointments, you know, come on in the suburban. I've got these other kids in the back, but come on in and I'll t- drive you to your doctor's appointments. Or like, I remember there was this guy that lived under the bridge by the river and my parents brought him meals all the time. That's like even awesome. on Christmas Day, like we'd we'd be packing up our our food and they'd make a plate and drive out and deliver him, you know, food or bring him, you know, a coat or whatever. And then um, I know that for sure. Uh, something that I, I never really realized what a huge I don't know, sacrifice, but, but continuous sacrifice it was because my parents were not, you know, like super affluent, but, um, I do know that they would like pay for diapers for other families, for their babies, you know, for, for years, like, Mm -hmm. like the entire time their babies would be in diapers. We would be the ones giving them diapers. And I got little glimpses of those things that my parents did. And so it does, it did kind of like open my eyes to the possibilities of charity that, that don't look like always giving giving someone on the corner. And I don't think you do. I think when you look for those opportunities, you don't struggle so much with the person on the corner. Right. Because you are living in sacrifice. You are living in charity when you're looking for other ways to give. Um, You're not struggling with, this might be my only time to be charitable, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Exactly. Did your parents, did your parents exhibit for you, um, you know, opportunities for charity that you've sort of integrated into your life and understanding how to give? Not at all. No, they did. (laughs) (laughs) No, sorry. (laughs) Not at all. Yeah, we did. I mean, we, we took, you know, um, we did a lot of angel tree. Yes. um, I love families. My parents were big and like people who work for them who maybe couldn't Mm -hmm. afford a big Christmas for their family. They would, they would get Christmas lists and, and we would wrap gifts. And then they always insisted that it was anonymous. Like they didn't want the kids to know that it was, yeah. you know, not their parents or not, yeah. um, you know, Santa Claus or whatever um, the case may be. So we, that was a really big one in, in our family. We, we raked leaves of the elderly. Yeah. We, um, you know, we live in a small town, so there's yeah. lots of ways to, you know, volunteer and volunteer at the different kind of, you know, food pantries and the South Arkansas Fights AIDS, and mm-hmm. um, which was for a small town, a, a pretty big ministry and nonprofit in our town. So yeah, we were involved in kind of everything, which is sort of the beauty of growing up in a small town yes. because you can be involved in a lot of different things. Um, we don't live in a small town now, so you almost, you do have to kind of look for those opportunities a mm-hmm. little bit more, but you see that they're, they're there mm-hmm. in Denver. There was always, you know, making sandwiches downtown, like the sandwich, you know, um, they they go serve peanut like peanut butter and jelly and ham sandwiches like every single mm-hmm. Saturday downtown um, to the homeless and they kind of knew you know I mean it was sort of a, a ritual a routine the homeless knew where to go and where to yeah, be oh, and yeah there was a, a, a kind of a lunch line almost mm-hmm. on the weekends and so and our parish was just so good about taking the kids to do things like that and um, again I don't know why I go back to Christmas but they they had a huge Christmas party for six hundred you know underserved children who yeah. probably would be their only Christmas present. Um, and so, and we would, as a parish, we would collect 600 presents. We would wrap 600 presents. Um, they would have 600 kids. Can you Mm -hmm. imagine 600 Mm -hmm. kids? Um, you know, Santa Claus and then all the snacks and treats and, and so, and it was just a beautiful way for the whole parish. Like you might not be able to, to 
buy a bunch of presents, but you can buy some tape and yeah. you can buy, you know, it, there was, there's like a job for everyone when you do yes. things in community like this. And so that's my favorite. Um, I love being on a team <laughs> and we, we had at our parish, we had diaper ministry we delivered a, a thing of diapers every month mm-hmm. and they were repackaged, you know, they'll kind of break them down. So yeah. if you have a huge thing of diapers, they break them down to like 10 or 20 and kind of repackage them by sizes and stuff and take them to the different, you know, shelters for, for unwed mothers or just, you know, shelters for women who maybe were in a abusive situation and, yeah. and are living in sort of a group home um, now. So there's just, like you said, there's so many opportunities. And I think when you are raised in a way that um, that service is important to your family, you kind of just see them everywhere. Or they find you, maybe. <laughs> um, but it, And then when you kind of become known as somebody who's who, who does have a heart for service or mm-hmm. does like to give, um, you find that your, your phone rings a little bit more. You yeah. get an email. Um, would you mind helping out with this meal? Or would you mind, you know, can you buy some extra diapers this month? Or whatever the case may be. Um, and those are such little little ways to be helpful, Mm -hmm. but they're Mm -hmm. so important. And then when you think of all the different people who help in small ways, how big of an impact it makes for your community that you're serving. Absolutely. And again, talking about like watching as parents, having our children see us be charitable, but also us as the children watching our parents be charitable. Like sometimes that's our only peek into what charity looks like, because if we're doing it right, then we're not screaming it from the mountaintops. Right. <laughs> we're not Which posting is, on Facebook that we, it's you know, tricky. that we, it's a little tricky. It's a nice. <laughs> I know. I know because we are supposed to be, you know, doing these things, giving alms in secret so that our father in heaven sees it. And there will be our reward that our reward right. isn't here. We're not having people, you know, give us, giving us, you know, awards for the most charitable or the most service hours. I mean, not that those, I mean, those are obviously things that we need for encouragement or just to make people aware of opportunities for service. But I feel like it's really tricky to do service the yeah. right way and teach people about service without when, you, <laughs> when you're not supposed to talk too much about it. You exactly. know, I mean, it's such a, it's, uh, it's, it's very, um, it's very challenging to be a Christian and to, um, to serve the poor in the right way. And I think, I think that maybe what it boils down to, at least for me, is that we, we, we must be on the same page about the principle of charity, that the poor deserve and have the right to our resources. They really do. Um, but how we do it, the, the policies, the procedures, you know, how we go about um, fulfilling that principle um, can vary. Yeah. You know, it doesn't always have to look like giving the person on the corner a $20 bill. Right. You know, it can look like quiet acts of service, like um, one Lent. And again, I don't want to scream this from the mountaintops because I'm not going to receive my reward in heaven. So I'm just giving up my reward <laughs> so in heaven. So we're whispering right it on the podcast. <laughs> I'm just giving up the reward for this. But like things like, I'm not even going to be specific about it. Looking, making, making a, a conscious decision of when I see X, I'm going to do Y, right? So when I see, when I'm at the grocery store and somebody has, um, someone in line in front of me or behind me has this in their basket, I'm going to offer to buy their groceries for them. That's awesome. You know what I mean? Like, but doing it, doing it, it, like I've made a decision, like this is the charity that I'm going to do. It affects this one person. um, And they might not even have like 
an obvious need, but this is what I have decided to do. And in some way, it's going to feed them. It's going to make them feel like they were seen, that they were loved, that, you know, maybe something terrible is going on in their life. And just this act of charity is God speaking into their life. And I don't even know anything more about it other than this is what I promised to do. Yeah, that's awesome. And, and just to renew people's hope in a, in a fallen yes. world. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think we're all poor in that way. Yes. Um, we live in a world that that people would rather honk at you <laughs> than mm-hmm. than give you a, a you know a wave from the car. And so, yeah. I haven't had that very often, but I have had like you know the person in front of me paid for my coffee like once or twice. Yes, that made my day. <laughs> and you that, didn't need it. I didn't like need technically. Oh no, I didn't. But it made me feel so good and yeah. so kind of energized to. It, it does give you a sense of pay it forward. Like yes. I'm gonna just smile at every person I see. I'm gonna yeah. hold the door for everyone. Um, uh, I'm gonna buy someone else's coffee. So it does. It's amazing how. Charity begets charity. Goodness begets goodness. When yeah. you do acts of good works mm-hmm. for other people out of love and not mm-hmm. because you have to, it pays dividends. It yeah. it comes back to you tenfold. Um, and that's not why you do it. It's just the it's it's the the it's the result of goodness, mm-hmm. I think. Well, and even if it doesn't come back to you, it goes out into the world and ripples. Like just right. as you said, like it, it inspires someone else to do something kind, to do something good, to do something sacrificial down the road. And we'll never see that. And I think that also is a little bit of the reward in heaven. Like we don't actually get to see how far our acts of charity reach people, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Or or what or what the um, kind of the, the the rolling result is, but maybe maybe our reward in heaven is that Jesus does let us see that, you yeah. know how how that wave to the person on the street corner, even if you didn't give them a dollar or twenty dollars, or you were out of Nutrigrain bars or whatever, but you actually <laughs> looked at them and smiled and waved, yeah. like maybe that mattered to them in a way mm-hmm. that you know a dollar wouldn't have. Who knows? I, yeah. I don't know, but I think I think our call is just to do what we can not labor over it like what if this 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 like can you do it yeah then do it you know does it make sense in the moment then do it and and then you know look for those opportunities where our charity maybe is a little bit unreasonable because (laughs) I think I think we do that too I mean not every act of charity has to be like a huge production of you know unreasonable risky yeah it can't generosity yeah but sometimes you know, it should be. <laughs> do you know? Do you know other ways we can become saints? By living with our sisters. Is this a quiz? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> it's a good transition. Is it a I transition like to our next blog? <laughs> it's the loofah and pumice stone. Is it pumice or pumice? Oh, I I've always said pumice. Do you say pumice? I I don't really say that word very much, so I don't know. And I always go with your pronunciation over my pronunciation. Oh, so we're going to call it a pumice stone. Lufa and pumice stone. So that's our next blog that we're going to talk about. And it's from Sharon Rockers, who is one of how many girls? Like eight, nine? So she's got nine. uh, She's the eldest of eight sisters. So is that right? Yeah. That sounds right. That sounds very, very right to me. That sounds right. But she wrote a great article about kind of how we, and she relates it to her sisters because Mm -hmm. 
you know your sister's the best. You know how to yeah. punch each other's buttons and you know how yeah. to build each other up. And you and you really are when you have, especially that many sisters. But mm-hmm. for you and I who have one sister, um, but you've got more siblings. Um, but you do, you kind of, God uses your siblings to, to form you into little saint makers. I mean, there's yeah. always opportunity to serve. Mm-hmm. There's always opportunity to love. There's opportunity to, um, to maybe go back and have to ask for forgiveness yeah. <laughs> to learn some humility. Yeah. Uh, and so that's what her article was about. I loved this pumice? article. I'm so glad that that we're talking about it because, um, so I want to give like a little background about the distinction that she makes between the loofah and the pumice. So um, I'm just going to kind of read. She said, in, in giving and receiving, this exchange is like a soft, so- soapy loofah that gently washes one another in love. So the loofah side of it is when our sisters are those with whom we're, we're in close community, um, just, just love on us right yeah. and then that that love is edifying it's nurturing it's building it's constructive you know in all of those ways and she said but obviously these same people can also be like pumice or pumice <laughs> be like pumice, pumice stones um where you know what they scrub us raw is what she says you yeah. know somehow those interactions are a little bit more abrasive but but no less edifying um when we allow she says when we let grace do its work right? That, that mm-hmm. these scrubbings can change us, you know, yeah. um, they, they exfoliate us in a way, you know, and, and help us to, to shed off some of those, those, um, vices, um, to expose, you know, new, new skin for virtue, you know, or, mm-hmm. or I mean, the, the analogy could go so far, so far, so far, <laughs> exfoliate new skin. I was thinking like rubbing raw. Yeah, she does say that, that they scrub us raw, sometimes to the bone. Oh, that hurts. So my yeah. sister and I, um, I feel like you're, you and your sister have a much softer relationship. My sister and I are so different and we're like, we're best friends, but then we also, sometimes I wonder if we have anything in common except for our faith and our parents, because she's artistic and she's, she's super creative and I'm not. And she, you know, oh, that's not true. You're just creative oh, differently. Very differently. Yeah. I'm yeah. kind of, I don't even say I'm a type, but compared to her, I'm very a type. Oh, I like sure. things. I see that. Very tidy, very whatever. And she's more of just, um, she's but she, she, Oh, she's just, a little bit more easygoing. She, you know, knows how to enjoy life probably more mm-hmm. than I do. And, um, so we can, we can, we know how to punch each other's buttons, but then yeah. nobody will take care of me like my sister. Yeah. Um, over that I've talked extensively, I'm not going to belabor my infestation at my lake house this <laughs> summer, but I was not planning on staying with my sister for two weeks, uh-huh. but I did. And you know what? I woke up and there was breakfast and coffee and when I, we went to the lake house and worked our tails off and came home tired and dirty and gross and she had dinner going for us and I mean she just kind of took care of me like a mother almost yeah. um, and so that was that was a loofah that was a yeah. two week loofah uh, exfoliation um, <laughs> <laughs> but then there's other times that we do have to kind of talk to each other about hard things about oh, hard yeah. decisions or or um you know kind of kind of be each other's sounding board or, or devil's advocate on on things that it's not always fun to hear mm-hmm. from your sister 
Yeah. Are you, a, are you, a? I think I'm maybe more of a pumice stone. Carrie's probably more of a loofah to me. I'm, a, I'm maybe a pumice stone to her, but what are you? Cause you and Bray are, y'all are, y'all are yeah. sweet sisters. Well, thank you. I think that we, um, so we have a, we have a sibling in between us. So, yeah. you know, there's a buffer there. Um, and we were not friends growing up really. I mean, I, Really? We didn't play. Yeah, we didn't play a lot together. I would say until we were like, and maybe in high school that we started to become friends. Right. Um, and, and I do think that that created a different kind of relationship because we had other siblings. Like, yeah. you know, like her best friend was, you know, in the family was the sibling just younger than her. You know, my, you know, teammate was the guy <laughs> just younger than me. You yeah. know what I mean? Like we, we had other siblings until we kind of grew into womanhood. And yeah. then we were like, okay, you're my only sister. <laughs> <laughs> it's me and you. <laughs> and, and, and we have to be a little protective of this relationship. Yes. But um, I guess in our relationship, I think I feel like I'm probably the pumice as well. I'm a little bit more abrasive and straightforward, um, which actually causes conflict. If we ever have yeah. conflict, I think it's mostly because I'm a little too straightforward. Um <laughs> Me and she's too. a middle child and she's a middle child though. So that kind of, I'm all about birth order yes. and you know, she likes things not to be so, you know, not that she's conflict you know, averse, but that she's just like a little bit more um, inclined to make things easier. Yeah. Sort um, of a peacemaker. Yeah. Oh yeah, totally. Um, and, and she's, I mean, she's a NICU nurse, so she's all about the loofah. Like she's a nurturer. <laughs> Gentle. I love, yeah. I love to hear, I mean, I have done all the parenting things before she has, you uh-huh. know, but I adore hearing her recount how she explains things to her children or how she dealt with a certain situation. And I'm like, man, that was good. <laughs> <laughs> that was way more loofah-y than I would have been. <laughs> so I get to learn how to, you know, it, it, I get to learn how to interact with people just by kind of watching how she interacts with people and how she talks to people. Um, Do you think it's also because you're the the oldest? And I think you everything have to is because I'm the oldest. Everything. <laughs> See, I'm the youngest, so that's why mine, yeah. I'm a little bit of a, an, an anomaly. But you know, you are the oldest, and so there's been enough like life happening in the family between before she was mm-hmm. born that maybe maybe it, it lends itself to a softer. And also I think parents are softer with their, as they have more children. Like my youngest, oh my gosh. Yeah. She is going to be, she's going to be like a bath bomb, just kind of sizzly, like not even really exfoliating anything. Um, just fizzy and bubbly. But the older two were like straight to the point. Here's what we got to yeah. do, especially the oldest. You know, she's, yeah. she's, she's definitely a pumice stone to her next sister. Um, but yeah, I'm a, I'm a I'm a pumice, and I can't really I don't know why I think I'm I'm the alpha female in our family. That my is sister. interesting. That that yeah. Um, huh, I'm bossy. A- I'm um, yeah. I give her so many opportunities to love on me. Yeah. <laughs> I got to work on that. Now that we're talking it about it, I'm like, ooh, maybe I should be more softer. <laughs> more loofy. <laughs> She's raw to the bone, maybe. No, but I just, I loved, I loved how Sharon put this in the context of sisterhood, but I do think that it applies to all of our relationships, mm -hmm. like figuring out like, what is it about how I relate with this person or to this person, um, that is either, you know, life-giving in a loofah way, like soft and lavish and, um, gently exfoliating versus, (laughs) you know, how maybe, because we do need both. We do need both 
you know, in our lives, um, we, we can't all be like, you know, little, little precious people who, you know, can't, can't take any criticism or any, you know, raw interaction. Like we need that as human beings too. And, and other people need that too. So not being so careful that we are not, um, being real with people. Absolutely. And that's, as I was sitting here starting to feel bad about my pumice stone, um, title that I've given myself, you know, I think sometimes I've, I've had to have conversations that, as I said earlier, aren't easy. And if I, if I tiptoe around it, I'm not doing the person a favor that I'm having the conversation with because I'm not, I'm not, I'm not giving them really what I believe what they need to hear the truth Mm -hmm. of, you know, of what they need to hear. Cause you know, when you're in a situation, it's easy to, to be, maybe have your judgment clouded. And when, Mm -hmm. when somebody's stepped away from the situation and has a little bit of a better view of what's going on, um, what, what, what's going on might not be, um, a pretty thing to hear, but it's the truth and, and it needs to be told. And so maybe, being a pumice stone is not so terrible. <laughs> well, and sometimes as, as sometimes being a pumice isn't a choice as well. Like it's not a choice to tell someone a hard truth. Sometimes yeah. it's just like my personality is a pumice to that person, mm-hmm. you know, and yet it's still edifying and it's still, and this is where bringing Sharon's um, blog back in. It's, it's always transformative if we let it be mm-hmm. right. How, mm-hmm. No matter what our interaction is with that other person, um, if we are looking for ways to be better people because of our interaction with that person, it's always is going to be transformative and I think that's the full circle I don't know if you picked these two articles to go together in that way but like sometimes as we relate to those in need sometimes we're the loofah right yep. and sometimes we're the pumice and and it's not our responsibility always how that person receives it but but we can just hope and pray that it's transforming their lives and our lives through that act of charity right and and as long as you're a pumice out of love, then yeah. it's, it's, should a be love received. A, <laughs> a loving loofah and a loving pumice. <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, are you ready for last little bits? Sure. Yes, I am. You go first. I got to think about mine for a second. Mine is nothing very um, groundbreaking, but we recorded not too long ago and I gave this whole update about my daughter and how she's wearing her safety gear for their assassin game at their Catholic school. <laughs> and, still going um, on? No one's still won going yet? On. Oh my no, gosh. nobody's won yet. But like the next day she got out. So the update is she's out of the game. She said that it was too stressful <laughs> to be in the game. And we were like, but you paid $25. You should like. You <laughs> that was an five. investment. <laughs> yes. John goes, there goes our money. Um, but she just got in a car with some friends and let them like pour water on her and video it. Cause you had, that was the thing you have to video it yeah. and upload it to their Instagram, you know, page or whatever. But she was so relieved to not have to wear her floaty anymore. Yeah. So want, want, okay. what wah, a letdown, what a letdown. Over. <laughs> over. No more updates. Uh, I guess my last little bit is I really have been thinking about you know, that preferential option for the poor and what that means. And um, I think that I am going to resolve that my last little bit isn't anything like informative, but it's like, it is a testament. It is a, um, a promise in public that I'm going to look for a new way this week to be aware of the poor and to do something in charity, 
also in secret. I'm never going to tell anybody what it is. The best kind of charity. And so it's also a challenge. Anyone who's listening, join me because think of the ripples that we could do if you are hearing this and you also pick a super secret way to be charitable in the world. Let's do this. Let's do it. I'm on game. I'm in the game. Thanks for joining us today on Bellator Colloquium. Please look for Bellator Society on everything social, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. And if you like what we're doing here on this podcast, we would love for you to share that with us. Rate us on iTunes to help us get the word out and share, share, share. We cannot wait to chat next time right here on Bellator Colloquium, the conversation for online warriors for the true, good, and beautiful.